Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. And I'm really happy to share a special episode, which was going to be broadcast live on Facebook when the discussion happened, but tech happened. So uh, we recorded this on Thursday night and then shared it straight away afterwards and it's awesome mental men's mental health discussion panel with some familiar faces but before I tell you a little bit about that um, I just want to say a massive thank you to Serafina and Amy who joined us on the show last week. So yeah today we've got four guests joining us so some familiar faces and voices to the show. We were joined by Jay Schiffman, Joey Dumont, Will Foley and Tim Parent, who's not been on the show before, but I joined Tim and Will on their podcast, The Above Ground Podcast, and they all agreed to join me to spend an hour discussing men's mental health because it's Men's Health Week this week. Um, and so we had a really um, an interesting conversation, I think. Everyone is sharing their own opinions, their own perspectives, and there was some agreement, there was some diversity of opinion, which is always really interesting. But what I do want to, to mention is that in this conversation, we're not sharing, um, unfortunately, any perspectives from anyone who is gay or trans and that experience as, as a gay man and trans man. And so that's something possibly in the future. Um, I'd love to do more of these panels and have more voices and more, not just around men's mental health, but other topics of mental health, mental health more generally, and have that, that kind of diversity of experience. So I just wanted to note that. And as I said, everyone's sharing their own opinions and perspectives from their experience. There is a mention of, of suicide um, and some quite big topics, I think, that we that we explore and look at. So just that little bit of a content warning and there is swearing so it is marked as explicit so if you are listening with small people around uh, that you don't want to hear that <laughs> just just be mindful but I really hope that you enjoy this conversation which is coming to you in its entirety unedited uh, as it went out into the world um, so I hope you enjoy it and I'll be back super quickly afterwards. Hi everyone, um, watch this on the replay because we had a tech, <laughs> tech issue um, and thank you so much for joining us to chat about men's mental health and thank you to everyone who uh, has so graciously given up some of their time to join me to talk about this really important topic. So uh, I'm going to go alphabetical which is what I've been doing on everything for the promo for this because it feels like the fairest. Uh, so uh, Jay, hi, do you want to tell us a little bit about you? It is not very often that J comes first in the alphabet. That uh, I'm not used to being being first in alphabetical. Um, well, thank you so much for for having me here on this this very important topic. As you can see, very important to me. Uh, I am Jay Schiffman. I'm the host of Choose Your Struggle, uh, which is a podcast. It, it's a whole brand of um, live events that, that, well, virtually for the last year and a half, but hopefully soon going back to live. Uh, I am a guy in long-term recovery who struggles with my mental health as well. And so a lot of what I do is, is seeking to help end stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health, substance misuse and recovery and drug use and policy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jay. And then another Jay, next in the alphabet, Joey. Hi. Can you tell us a little Hi. bit about you? 
Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, my name is Joey Dumont, and I am the recent author of a memoir called Joey Somebody, The Life and Times of a Recovering Douchebag. And it's about my lifelong struggle with insecurity and mental illness, uh, specific to episodic depression, chronic anxiety. Uh, my little brother died from uh, depression in 2007. And I then started a podcast called Laugh Your Cry Out because my theory as an uneducated man in this field is that humor helps. And so the goal with the podcast is to talk about subjects, use some levity um, in places that are pretty dark to talk about. And specifically for me, I want to work with and for the benefit of men's mental health. Uh, I come from the media background. I was in the advertising business for the last 20 years. And so what I want to do is kind of talk at scale about how the media is affecting our men's mental health at a deleterious level. So that's the goal of starting both the podcast and writing the memoir. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joey. Tim, hi. Can you tell us a little about you? Um, yeah. I, uh, thank you, first of all, for having me on. And it's great to meet everybody. Um, I, I, I guess we'll start with just, I live with mental illness. Um, it's pretty much become a passion of mine. Um, and I just kind of live that lifestyle of, of learning and, 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 um, using tools every day and finding what works best for me. Um, I have a podcast with Will who will be talking next, uh, above ground podcast. We talk, uh, openly, honestly, raw, real, however you want to put it, uh, mental health and just mental health in general, all of its tentacles that. Um, can sometimes grasp hold of people. And um, we try to throw in some humor, um, mostly from the peer perspective, from our own situation. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. Just happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. And Will, last but not least, tell us a bit. Hey, about you. you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be here, Hannah. Thank you so much. Um, it's great to see you again. Uh, Hannah has been on Above Ground Podcast. And as Tim said, uh, I am the other half of the dynamic depressive duo called Above Ground Podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually uh, am a peer support specialist. I have my certification through New York State. Uh, I do not work in the field because uh, the job is very hard to find, first of all. And like now that mental health has become front and center, things seem to be changing as far as what professionals get into it and things. So what I've chosen to do and with Tim is I've chosen to use my God-given talents of music and art and just being able to talk to people to spread the message that mental health is the most important part of your health because without mental health, you do not have physical health, nor do you have any health because it all starts in the mind. Uh, and tomorrow I'm actually releasing my brand new single called Memoir, Despair and Mayhem on Spotify and all the all the music places. And it's it's about my struggle with my mental illness. So hopefully everybody will check it out. So thank you very much for having us. And it's great to meet everyone. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. As I said, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing a little bit of your stories. Um, and I guess um, I'm going to put this question over to you before I'm in, I've got some scary stats. Um, but other people might have their own scary stats uh, that they want to share. Um, and that's why is men's mental health such a, a thing that we're talking about at the moment? And I think we absolutely should be. But why is it, you know, such a big topic at the moment? 
anyone just dive in. <laughs> I, I think, I think that toxic masculinity, I mean, I know that that's a buzzword, but I think that that plays a part of it. I think that we're coming to terms now with a lot of misinformation that we've been told and things that we've been taught throughout life that are really ways to keep us under a certain level of things. And I think as the veil is lifted and we see that the the wizard really isn't a wizard, he's just a man behind the curtain trying to push a couple buttons, that I think as the veil's lifted, we start to see that we're not everything that the media portrays nor everybody else portrays. And I think that now we, we, we're starting to develop as men a language to talk about mental health because I think that that's a big part of it is that men aren't given a language nor also the space all the time. Well said. I would agree. I would agree with what Will said, just kind of add on to it. Just, I think the, uh, the culture, you know, at least for what we live in, here in the states is is uh, you know I I think it's it's a it's a pretty big factor in in the whole thing as far as uh, if you want to consider just specific men's mental health I I uh, you know I, I view mental health as a whole I I I I feel like men have their struggles but I also feel like women have their struggle struggles as well so um, I try not to really like uh, box things out too much. I just look at it more as a whole. Again, we all we all have mental health, and I think um, we all can benefit from you know these type of conversations, whether you know be all men or women or whoever. It's uh, just just to get the conversation started and going, and um, you know at the same time, if we can talk more about um, you know the the facts behind things and why this or why that, that could be a um, a significant help for most people. I think, you know, I think most, most men would shy away from the conversation, but if somebody else started it, they may hop in and be like, okay, uh, I guess, you know, this is safe to talk about it or whatever. I think that's a great point. I, uh, I released my book in April, April 2nd to be specific. And I've had 35 conversations whether over Zoom or the telephone since then with buddies. And so I spent, as I mentioned, um, a couple decades in the business of media. And it's a very macho industry full of bravado. And I loved it, to be specific. But the goal <laughs> of media um, is to make you feel insecure. And we do that so you buy our stuff, right? And that's part of your storytelling criteria as storytellers. And with Growing up without a father, I looked to the media for what my understanding of masculinity was, what it looked like, where it came from. And so I referenced things like James Bond, because when you look at a movie like James Bond, you're like, wow, that guy's awesome. You know, and even my little boys, I have nine and a seven year old and we, they watch James Bond. They're like, daddy, he's handsome. Like he is. <laughs> and daddy, he drives an Austin Martin. And you're like, he sure does. And you're like, and I like his clothes. And you're like, me too, right? You're like, he's got some cool duds. Oh, and by the way, daddy, fast forward through the kissing scenes, right? But for most guys, you're looking at that and going, okay, so he's stoic. He's a solitary figure. He's a Kung Fu man. He's astute with weapons. He's handsome, well-dressed, shaken, not stirred martini. And by the way, he gets laid 
all the time. So you're like, okay, that's the dude I want to be. So then if you take that media influence and transport it to the television screen, which for me, I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, you got Tom Selleck, Magnum PI, right? You're like, holy shit, who's that dude? Oh, well, he's 6'4 and handsome and he's got a mustache the size of a cat. Oh, and by the way, his best friend is TC who flies a helicopter. And you're like, are you fucking serious? This guy drives it. And these guys were all mates in the military. So they're as macho as you can possibly get. And it just, it goes on and on. Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. You're like, okay, that guy's cool. He drives a Mercedes. He's a Kung Fu man. He's solitary. And so like my purview of masculinity was these things. And so what if men growing up aren't these things? They don't fit within the bucket of captain of industry, of military hero, athlete, sexually prolific, tall, dark, and handsome. What are you? That's a huge problem. And so that is, as I mentioned earlier, my goal is to talk about the media's influence specific to men and then how that actually is deleterious to our collective mental health because we don't fit into these buckets. And so that's kind of the area where I think men, we, we actually, I don't think we need to apologize for being masculine and again, as an ad guy, I'm, I don't like the phrase toxic masculinity because it puts people on their heels, right? There's nothing toxic about masculinity. There's where masculinity becomes toxic is when it's harmful. So when you do something like, a, you know, I think the pieces and parts of that were Harvey Weinstein, who obviously wasn't just a toxic masculine person. He's a rapist. <laughs> He's a criminal. He's a barbaric asshole. Those are things that are not necessarily tied to masculinity. They're tied to criminality. And so like, I think with toxic, anything, it, it ruins it. What I think we need to talk about is expanding the definition of masculine. If you look at James Bond and say, okay, he's masculine. Why don't we think Jimmy Carter's masculine? He's a wonderful human being. He's, he was maybe not the best president, but a really good dude. Right. And he's a leader and he's soft and he's quiet and he's confident and he's kind. And he was a wonderful husband and father. That's where we need to expand the definition. And I think when we can do that collectively, there's a much better chance that our up the, the children that are coming up have a better chance to fit into a bucket that will actually affect their mental health in the positive. Jay. I'm I'm taking in a lot of that and I really like I really like the idea of expanding the definition uh, of of masculinity. That is a wonderful idea, but I would sort of flip it a different way and say kind of a and, and this is in that bucket but 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 more so a giant who the fuck cares. Like I I <laughs> I'm still I'm standing here in my office, right? And and you all can't see it because I have this wonderful green screen behind me. But my office is filled with shit, and uh, it's a lot of it is. It, it, I'm a collector, you know. I'm, I'm a guy in recovery, and I replace my addiction to pills with my addiction to collecting stuff. And so I've got the 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 you know signed baseballs and jerseys over here, and over here I've got my signed Kesha face jewels. You know, uh, I, I, I am a giant pop fan. I think Kesha is is a goddess. I've got my Shrine to Robin Williams over here. I've got my Star Wars collection. Okay. And, you know, part of that for me was that it took me until 
five years ago, it, it, which kind of coincides with, with my embracing my recovery, to be open about the fact that I would rather be front row, you know, wearing ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous outfit, including large earrings at a Kesha concert, than I would be at an NFL game. I, I just think the NFL is stupid, you know, and and so. You know, my wife is very embracing of this idea in our household. I do the laundry and she fixes shit, you know. And and so it's it's this idea of like (laughs) that isn't going to fit in some kind of a definition of masculinity. And and I don't give a fuck, you know, that that my my role as a person has very little. Uh, relationship between what's between my legs, you know? And I think what I'm so enthusiastic by about the generation that's coming up now is I was just listening to a fantastic podcast on this probably two or three days ago that many people in, what are we calling them? Gen Z? Is that Gen Z coming after us, the millennials, right? I think so, Uh, yeah. When they're asked about their sexuality, they don't have words. They're just like person. You know what I mean? Like this thing is just very fluid. And I wish that our generation, the millennials, had had more of an opportunity to do that. We're kind of a bridge between the old school thinking of, of uh, you know, our, our parents, the baby boomers. Sorry, Gen X, y'all don't get a time. It, you, you've been skipped over apparently. <laughs> yeah, how is that and, possible? How I don't, I don't know. I'm with yeah. you, by the way. Dude, I, Joey, I feel we for you. Together, brother. We got, we got stick together, together, man. You got, <laughs> got screwed. Gym, I'm dude. with you. But but we we the millennials are, are are just this bridge population and we've got a foot in each camp. And and I really admire a lot of what young people are doing today for that respect that like just kind of a giant who cares about a lot of these traditional ideas about gender. I, I think I re- I oh sorry. I can't no, see Jay talking. I, I was just I was just gonna comment on something that Jay said. I think uh uh, you know, the whole, um, the whole image of the masculinity thing. I, I think there's, there's, there's some important elements to it. And I think, I think the education system is, is a big element to it just because at least again, here in the States, we, it, it seems that we, we don't, we, we tell kids what to think and we don't teach them how to think. So therefore, again, if I, you know, turn on the TV or see some pop star doing something stupid these some of these kids are going to be impressionable and be like wow i guess this must be a success or this is what you have to do to be cool and and masculine and it's like to to be able to just say you know either a that's stupid b i don't give a fuck with whichever you want to say but just have your own opinion and not not really worry too much as to what the society you know the rules of society is telling you how to think and just be able to think for yourself and go well i you know I don't like that because X, Y, and Z, and that's my opinion. doesn't mean I'm wrong or you're right. It's just, it's a different opinion, you know? Yeah, I got to say that I, I will disagree with Jay on the bridge part. I actually like to look at Joey and I as the bridge between the old and the new, just because we kind of have come through, and granted, millennials have too, because my wife is a millennial, so I, I, I get it totally. And I'm totally with you, Jay, on, your wife fixing stuff and you doing the laundry because I do more of the laundry and dishes than I do fixing stuff. So I'm totally with you on that. But I do think 
that, and you know, I use the term toxic masculinity because I'll be honest with you, I hadn't really thought about masculinity as, as a whole, like, cause I've never really given a fuck about necessarily what anybody really thought about me because I'm so hard on myself that any, anything <laughs> that anybody says outside of me doesn't fucking matter anyway, because I've been a self-loather for so long. So, so <laughs> that's all you got. It's, Bring it on, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, you should see what I, I say I, to me. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat the shit I say to myself on yeah. here, but, no, that's but good. it's good to, it's, it's good to be in a, in a room with like-minded individuals because, and it's great that people like Hannah and, and us, we can bring other people together to have conversations like this because these conversations need to be had all the time now. I agree. I don't, and this is just specific to me. And I think that's kind of where it's nice to have these mixed conversations for me. Masculinity was tied to a female attention. And Hannah and I talked about this on the podcast and I said, I can only speak for me, but female attention was my number one priority. It wasn't like, sort of there it was one and then there was a massive delta between two three four five and 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 then two three four five was like my buddies and beer and sports and and then you think and then and then there's a corollary between each one of them well why do i like to be an athlete well because women like athletes oh why do i like to go out with my buddies because there's girls at the bar why i mean it was and again this is me not talking like everyone's all jacked up like i am but for me i loved female attention so i wanted to do whatever it took to get female attention. And I put on these personas growing up of confidence that wasn't confident at all. Confidence is the sweet spot between arrogance and despair. Despair is not knowing you have any. Arrogance is thinking you have too much. And so I was never there. So I would always mask myself with arrogance, which was aggression. I was a good athlete. Obviously I have no problem talking. So it was like, okay, so I, these are the things that I got attention from specifically female. So masculinity was really important to me. And possibly the same thing with you, Jay, the woman that fell in love with me, the woman that I married was not impressed at all with the peacocking. Like we met in the industry. <laughs> I used to have black nail polish, big rings, you know, Gucci, everything. Cause I was really proud of me. And when we fell in love, she's like, yeah, dude, we're done with that. <laughs> I'm done with that. Like you need to, you just need to grow up. I fell in love with you because you have a big heart and I like the way your brain thinks. And I was like, okay, you're, and that's it. You're like, wait, so, wait, I thought this was cool. Wait a minute. What's right, going on? Right. And and I think that, you know, Jay's in a position the same, and I can't, I just met him, but the fact that he's in love and doesn't care is perfect because that that's great. The problem is when you're 16 and you're not being looked at or talked to by women. That's a problem. And there's a great book out there called For the Love of Men by Liz Plank. And it's she started to understand, or she wanted to under, better understand the Me Too movement. So she did all of this very professorial research in the domestic United States, interviewing men. What does it mean to be men? This was trans men, gay men, bisexual men, gender binary, all of these things. And then she went to Africa and then she went to uh, Sweden and Norway and a couple other places. And then she came back with almost an apology around, Hey, I didn't know how difficult it was to be male, not to forgive, you know, the creepy side that we've talked about, but to understand that there are all these societal constructs that may be actually less than optimal as it relates to men's mental health. 
And, and she, she cited something called incels, which are involuntarily celibate men. And it's not the fact that they're not having sex. It's the fact that they're not getting any attention from females. And they, it's a problem at scale now. And she then talks about the corollaries, not causal, but corollaries to mass shootings. If you look at a lot of the people that are involved in that, they're isolated figures. They don't have any attention from men and women. Maybe they live in their parents' basement. I don't know what the situation may be, but they're not happy people. And part of that has to do with fitting into a bucket that we as a society have said, you need to do these things to be this way, to be masculine. And I think that, again, this is my shtick. So I'm like, I, I do think it's tough that we have these very limited meanings to masculinity. And that's why I think we need to expand the definition. I'd second I'm that. All, that's yeah. yeah. I'm all for expanding the definition and I will. And to go along with Joey, like I got into playing music because of kiss. <laughs> so I, Paul Stanley still, no matter what is the reason why I started playing guitar, playing, doing everything I did. And I did it because I thought that that was the only way I was going to get girls because yeah. I am not tall, dark, and handsome. I've never been tall, dark, and handsome. I will never be tall ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm five foot three. So it's like, well, there you go. So, and I will, <laughs> I will say though, though, will you, you have a singular ability that apparently the rest of us lack, which is, which is the ability to have a second being growing out of your face. So that's true. Uh, we, dude. we have to give you props for, for, for the small animal that has lodged on your, <laughs> my dad, my dad said that to me the other day and he goes, he goes, you know what you remind me of? He goes, you remind me of one of those, of one of those, um, of like a, an Asian like master. And I'm like, that's exactly it. Every one yeah. of these grays in here has been earned. <laughs> you know, I think kind of going back to that whole thing with the, um, you know, the, the, the men who don't get, um, acknowledged from women or whatever. I think it as humans, I think we all kind of crave connection. I think it's just part of who we are and what we are. Um, it's a, it's kind of a, a vital role in, in all of our lives. And I think if we, uh, you know, somehow incorporate, you know, self-love, self-worth at a young age, you know, I, and we start to, to kind of appreciate value, you know, ourselves, we won't look outside for that. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, any social media yeah. platform is completely ego driven. It's like taking pictures of food, you know, women taking pictures of their legs. It's like, at, at some point you got to ask yourself, like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, are you really looking for that much validation? You really that insecure that you have to yes. do this stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and, and hey, I'm not making, I'm not making fun of anybody, but I'm just no, saying no, like there's a there's yeah. a there's a there's a root problem here that like needs to be you know looked at and addressed and 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 just ripped out of the fucking ground because it's you know and then you can also align it with with just kindness just kindness it's like you know maybe uh, you know some guy some you know young teen or whatever would get up the courage to to ask a girl out and you know she would either like roll her eyes or whatever and I'm not I'm not you know coming down on women I'm just saying like in certain situations that could happen you know, or vice versa, whatever it is. And it's just some simple kindness to, you know, maybe smile and say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm seeing somebody, you know, but to, but to, you know, to not say anything or to kind of make them feel less than is, you know, that's, that's a variable for sure. Well, that's media's role. I think that's part and parcel to what I'm talking about is that 
we've all have egos. And I think that the, everybody on this panel has studied their own mental health, done some introspection. I, for one, spent eight years on a couch with a very highly trained psychotherapist who helped me unwind a lot of the abuse and the damage and the self-loathing and definitely helped with my episodic depression. Anxiety still kicking hard, but it, you know, I'm working on it. And I think that that type of introspection and any type of reading, whether it's, you know, Alan Watts or Anthony DeMillo yes. or, you know, Paramahasa Yogananda or any of any of the folks that we've read about, they talk about ego and how we can not necessarily kill it, but pay attention to it and be the awareness behind it. And so that helps us. And even when you're feeling depressed, being the awareness that is watching the depression. And so the idea is to be conscious of our ego. And then the problem with social media is that these are an extension of our ego. And so we've actually made our situation more difficult by extending something that shouldn't be extended. It should be redacted. And, and to your point around taking pictures of your ribeye or a really cool, you know, salad or, or that's, you know, some cool picture with your backsplash in the background to show people that you have enough money to redo your kitchen, right? It's, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a way of, of propagating yourself, which in a weird way actually makes you feel worse because it's, yeah. you know, you're being insecure, right? All right. It's, 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 but everyone else is doing, it and I want people to know that I, and yes, we want to be seen. We want to be touched. We want to be acknowledged. And, and that's part of the advertising game in general is that everyone in my industry studies behavioral science because we know what we need to do is get people back to the location in which our brands have asked us to get them back to, whether that's a, a soda, whether that's clothing, whether that's a car, whatever those things are, it's to attach some level of insecurity to that person unless they have this, <laughs> right? And so that's a big piece of where I think mental health is going off the rails is that social media is an extension of our ego and it's proving to be really harmful. Yeah, so, definitely. I, I was just actually interviewed on this that very topic earlier today because you're, you're, I definitely agree with you, but the one side that doesn't get talked about enough is that while all of that is true, there is a giant positive that social media provides. And by the way, I need to, to put this disclaimer. I am not you know, Mark Zuckerberg apologist or something. You know, overall, social media is a giant problem. But there is, of course, now this availability to find like-minded connection that did not exist 10 years ago, right? You know, I, I, I used the example when I was interviewed earlier of the trans kid in Alabama who 10 years ago was completely on his own. And now he has the opportunity to connect with, with other people, you know, uh, halfway around the world, kind of like we are right now with Hannah, but in a way that makes him feel accepted, makes him feel seen yeah. and, 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 and allowed to be the person that he is. And, and instead of feeling like I am doomed to this life where no one's going to love me, going, all right, I might be in this shit location now, but you know, I know that I can leave and go here when I'm, when I'm available to. That did not exist before social media groups that allowed someone to be a part of that. Uh, or, or if it did, you kind of had to know where to look. And so when you listen to people interviewed, you know, growing up now, they say, look, if it wasn't for that Facebook group, I, I don't know that I would still be here, you know? And so uh, there is a part of, of it that it, if you are able to use it for good, social media can be incredibly helpful for your mental health. Absolutely. Yeah, as as, can I, oh, you go ahead. So. No, I was just going to real quick. I was just going to say, as long as you control it and not don't let it control you, I agree with hundred percent what you said, Jay, go ahead. Will. 
Um, I wanted to get back to what Joey said about awareness, because I think that that's a big thing right now, because a lot of us don't. We, as this group, have a lot of self-awareness because we've taken on the task of doing the work. But I don't think that being self-aware is necessarily a thing that uh, maybe, uh, well, we'll take it from our age range. Most people, most Gen Xers, not necessarily are not necessarily self-aware not like the millennials and not certainly not like the gen Zers that are coming up now yeah. where they've wanted to change a lot of things, which I think is awesome. And I think that we've shortchanged. And I think that that's a big problem with our age range too, is, is that we don't want to hear stuff from people that are younger than us because we don't think that their experience is enough. And I think that that self-awareness alone right there would absolutely help everything going forward for everything. If, if people who have more experience were more self-aware and not so stuck in their own bullshit and their own th- thought that everything that they experienced is right or, or necessarily it, you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. I mean, awareness, I think self-awareness in part is why I think therapy needs to be propagated at a much bigger scale. I think that we, I don't know, Hannah and I talked about this when I was on her podcast, that Britain does a pretty good job with attempting (laughs) to get therapy to folks. We, and this isn't to get political, but during our, our elections, we don't talk about mental health. We talk about everything else, but we don't bring up mental health. And then even during a pandemic, and this is both administrations, the previous and the current administration are not talking at scale about mental health. And we have a tsunami of anxiety and depression hitting our culture as we speak. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? There's unemployment, there's anxiety around being ill, there's losing friends and neighbors and family members and colleagues to illness. We are literally a sick nation here and we are literally a sick global population right now. And so those things are endemic to my, even my understanding as a layperson around how that affects mental health. And it could be such that when people are suffering at the level we are globally, it has an actual global effect. We feel it because we love each other. We are connected and people that are self-aware understand that we're all one. And so I think that education on that front is key. And how we do that, obviously there's there's many tenets that could be explored, but the idea there is that once someone is understanding that, hey, what I'm doing is not working based on what I learned, both from my parents and my school, I need to do something different. And I think that mental health, because when Hannah and I were talking about this earlier, and you may want to chat on this, Hannah, you are actually starting to work specifically with children. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can start to nip that in the bud early, then you're not necessarily dealing with suicidal ideation. You're dealing with melancholy or you're dealing with anxiety that will then propagate into something far greater. And if we can get to the source of anxiety and depression with children, then we have a much better shot at a proactive level, you know, to help our society as a whole. Hmm. Yeah. I think I, I, I find it surprising that there's been no conversation about mental health with everything going on. Cause it's been quite a big thing in the UK that we've been talking about and and thinking about and there's a lot of pressure politically at the moment about that early intervention stuff and there's no there's no money we're not worth anything when we're healthy 
That's why. They don't care. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it, you want the truth. That's the truth. It's like they make money. I mean, who, who's 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 leading these, you know, big pharma? Who's leading all this shit? Who's who's making the most money? They want us sick. They It's like the truth is out there. You know what I mean? It's like people are, are the oh, I'm healthy as they're smoking a cigarette and drinking a diet soda. And it's like, <laughs> cool, you know, to each your own, do what you want. But but you know what I mean? Don't stand up and preach that, you know, how healthy you are when your lifestyle proves differently. You know what I mean? Again, you have to be your own advocate. You can't sit in front of a TV or, or turn on the news. I, I don't even I can't even do it. I, I can't listen to the news. It's the it's the biggest poison in the world going. It's absolutely it's it's terrible. It's it shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be there. It's like there's no facts whatsoever. And all they do is it's doom and gloom. It's like whoever has the biggest, uh, you know, death or whatever, they romanticize it and make it. This is what's cool. And it's that's not cool. You know what I mean? What's you know, let's talk about you want to talk about a pandemic. Look at mental health. You know, is it growing or is the way that we're dealing with mental health a shittier way than we've dealt with it? Is it just getting worse because all we're doing is prescribing, you know, 10 year olds. Oh, let's bring this kid in here. Oh, let's just give him medicine. Mm -hmm. And I'm not against medicine, but let's do some, you know what I mean? Let's mm -hmm. treat the individual. Let's look at it and let's get some background. Let's do some brain scans. Let's find out how their, their diet is, how their sleeping patterns are. Do they have a hobby? Simple stuff. Do you get outside? Well, not move? even just that, dude. Do they have a house to live in? Do they have food? Do they have, well, that's, I, I mean, yeah, you got to sure. take care of, uh, again, though, we, we like, and, and, and I agree with a lot of that. I think a lot of the stuff that we have, we, we need to take care of basic needs. And, un, and unfortunately, mental health is a need that we all like to take care of our mental health is something we all have to deal with, but we, and, and, and take part in, but when you're trying to make sure that you got enough money to keep a roof over your head, to keep clothes on your back to like, and again, it's like, we, we talk about solutions, but we don't want to talk about like real, like ways to fix them. We only want to just glaze over them. Like we always do with everything. And it's, and, and I'm, and I don't know much about the UK. I mean, just about what I've seen on like the BBC on PBS and stuff, as far as their situations go. But I mean, at least in the States and especially like you got to take care of people, like basic needs need to be met before you can start to like a lot of people think that taking care of your mental health and going to a therapist is a luxury because for some people it is because they don't have the health insurance. They don't have enough money to pay for health insurance or they're running back and forth to, to work two jobs. And maybe after this last year, maybe that's not necessarily the case when you see all the job openings that are around. But again, is it, is that enough to, to keep somebody, you know, healthy? And I well, think basic kind of needs back. is a, you know, right. And sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I'd cut you off. No, no, no. It's all good, man. Cause I was, I was I, done. Okay. I, I was just saying that that's exactly where I think our issue is. And so my brother, my little brother who died from depression was told he didn't qualify for therapy, even though he was bipolar, even though he was suicidal. Do you hear voices? No. Okay. Well then you're good. Go home. Right. And he went in right. and out of rehab centers. He went in and out of mental 
facilities and they just, it just wasn't there. And the bigger issue for me on that front is that my older brother who is alive and well suffers from MDD and he financially can't afford to go to therapy. And if you're on a typical American insurance policy, Kaiser, as an example, you get one visit every six weeks with a therapist, which is like going to the gym once every six weeks. It really doesn't do you much good, right? And so what I do know from that is I was in a financial position where I hired a very highly skilled, sought after therapist who did not take insurance, by the way, most of which do not, as I found out in San Francisco, and I could afford to pay for that. And it actually changed my life. I don't want to say it saved it, but it saved my mental health. I was so, I had so much self-loathing and I had so much insecurity that I had to unwind and I had to do that every week. That was every Wednesday at five o'clock for eight years. And that's- Joey, I'm, I'm glad, I don't mean to cut you up, but I'm glad you brought up that one important thing though, is some, some, you know, medical professionals don't accept insurance. So mm-hmm. we can't take, we can't point the finger and just say, well, health insurance, we need to do, you know, there's, there's many variables, many variables in this and money management is one of them. We should be learning that in school because I, you know, at, at, I get it. I'm not trying to judge anybody, but you know, if over and over again, you, you can't make rent or something like that, something needs to be looked at. You know, if you can't make rent and you have your cigarettes and your booze, look at, I'm not telling anybody how to live. But at the same time, we can't be crutches for everybody out there. Like you have to learn skills and you have to take accountability. That's part of it. Oh, I agree. That's I, just I think my that the, opinion. I agree with that. I think that the, the issue is at hand is if you're actually chemically imbalanced and you are sure. suffering from depression and you are, let's say you're young or you're you know, 25 and you don't even have a job with good benefits, or you finally got your first job with benefits, but they give you one, week, one visit with a doctor every six weeks. That's not enough. And I think no, it's the not. actual, if, if we can be preemptive with mental health at scale, absolutely, globally, then we have less problems in our society specific to mental health and how we actually interact with one another. And I think that's a lot of the problem for me. And that's why I was kind of referring back to what you were doing, Hannah, with children. You're actually, you specifically, and what you're doing in the organization is focusing on early children and how they're how they're seeing the world, right? Yeah, well, so early children and kind of actually young people up to 35, we're going for the broadest definition okay. possible. But yeah. early intervention, yeah, because we, I think we're lucky in a lot of ways that we have the health service, but the waiting lists, uh, that often someone could go for support and basically be told that they don't meet the f- threshold. Things aren't bad enough yet. Right. right. You know, so I think it's that age, but also for an individual, that early intervention where things are starting to maybe not be great and getting that support before things get, you know, more severe. Yep. Hannah, do you, are you like, um, like a license to any, like a, you know what I mean? Are you in that field? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just, uh, it's a curious, it's an, it's an actual just curiosity. Yeah. So I'm a coach at the moment, trainee counselor, um, and setting up a social enterprise. So, cause I think community and kind of the peer support is really important as well. So well, we're just like that's, a hybrid that, thing. That's what I'm getting at. I think in a lot of, you know, I know around here, peer support is like you, you, you it's not even a word. It's like, what, like, what, like, and 
and there's stuff out there is stuff out there maybe hard to find but you know i think we have to stop overlooking you know peer support or non-medical you know what i mean not you know someone without a degree it may not be the best option but it's still an option so it you know i think if we can somehow incorporate that that kind of element you know what i mean there's people out there just like you guys jay and joey both with your podcasts i mean ultimately that's kind of what you know what i mean you're you're supporting people you know you're giving out um possible options and you know you're you're just by telling your stories you know you're kind of making them feel less alone so you know what i mean it's again it's not it's not ideal it's not the you know the best thing for people but it's i believe it's an option i mean it you know it it's listening to other people's stories and stuff helps me for sure Jay, I wonder if you've got any thoughts because you're a mental health advocate and do a lot of work in the, the substance misuse area. If you've got any thoughts you wanted to share about the the peer aspect, peer aspect, or you know the last little bit of <laughs> conversations. Are- so I, you know, it's interesting. I, I think back a couple of years ago, I got to go on a ride along with. Uh, a quick response team, which is uh, for for anyone watching or listening who who doesn't know what that is, uh, these are programs that are still very new here in the states, where uh, local organizations get a list of everyone who has overdosed in the last week, uh, and they go out to those locations to uh, provide assistance, and it can be anything from you know, do you want to talk about how to use more safely, uh, or we could talk about helping you get into recovery if that's what you're looking for. And the success rates are pretty low because sadly, a lot of these people are are on uh, without a, ho- a home, or um, obviously the stigma around this is still very strong. And um, so I got to go on this ride along, and uh, I, I I meet them in the morning. We spend all day. And it was a very eye-opening experience. And at the end of the day, the woman who's running this pulls me aside and says, uh, you know, we don't get a lot of people with your experience on, on these ride-alongs. Can I pick your brain on what we're doing well and what we're not doing well? And I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah, why? And I said, because there's a lot that needs to change. Uh, the first thing, number one, is exactly to this point, there was nobody – no peer on this. Um, they they had decided that they would rather spend the money, and this was the second problem, on paying a policeman to to go on this every day. And I said, mm-hmm. just you know, quite frankly, let's let's use some sort of common sense here. If you have recently overdosed, uh, you're using a substance that is probably seen as illegal where you are, and the first person that knocks on your door is a cop. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, and, and yeah, not not a good move. And she said, not wow, a good move. <laughs> we had never thought of that before. So <laughs> this is the issue. This is the, in, in this particular one. Now, now, not every quick response team does that. Uh, but we're we're putting our, we're not putting our money where our mouth is, and, and instead we're we're continuing to fund things. You know, you have some cities that are uh, starting to give funds to to mental health resources instead of policemen, and you know these are really positive steps. But as long as we try to treat uh, everything through the, the the highest intent of the law, we're going to keep losing people because we have a pretty big big problem there. Yeah. And I think that's, and you mentioned Jay, it's not everyone does that, but that even as a lay person, I would be like, yeah, (laughs) when I was using drugs and drinking, I can't imagine a door, (laughs) 
you know, someone at the door, dunk, dunk, dunk. Hey, hello, who is it? It's the Popo. Awesome. I'm sure they want to come and talk about my mental health, right? It's like, that's not, that's not. And by the way, I'm really stoned. So I don't, I can't deal with the fact there's a cop at my front door. So, you know, I, I just, yeah, I mean, that's, that is typical. And I think that, you know, I love hearing that though, Jay, what else did you suggest? Like, what else could you, how could you expand on? Or what, what did you doing? see that, that, yeah. that maybe needed adjustment? Well, I think that the peer thing was huge. Perfect. Another perfect example is uh, we go to a door and um, they say, "Is is Melissa or whatever her you know home?" And the woman is clearly terrified. She sees the cop standing there and says no, and, and starts to close the door. I said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." I said, "Hi, I'm, I'm Jay Schiff, and I'm in recovery. Uh, I can tell that you are using meth and heroin. Uh, would you, as someone who survived an overdose, uh, I would be happy to talk." Uh, and she just kind of looked behind me, and I said, "Why don't I give you my card, and you can call me later?" And she she went like that. So so the fact that the person leading this, number one, there's a cop there. As I said, it's going to scare someone. But number two, uh, the woman leading this just took her word for it. Oh, Melissa's not home, and I, of course, was able to look right at and say, I know what you're using because I've used that too. Uh, and, and I recognize the signs. If you actually want to talk to somebody, I'm here. Um, so so the peer thing is is important, but there is, I, I went to another quick response team and they have peers, uh, but their turnover rate is is astronomical because uh, again, we're, we're paying these people pennies on the dollar. And if Absolutely. they can make more working at McDonald's in a much less high stress situation, they're going to go do it. So uh we have to reward people uh, more for their expertise than just from their schooling. And, and, and in that case, these well people said. should be paid whatever we can afford to, to pay them, which should be a lot of money. Hmm. Right. I, I, agree. I agree with you totally. Cause, yeah. And I can speak from this experience because since I've gotten my certification, I've looked at a couple of different things and I, I don't put in applications because, A, I can't afford a, you know, such a big pay cut. Right. I, I You know, and you have to make the decision like – as to what you can absolutely do to help and, and still be able to keep yourself above water. And that's the problem too. I think that we've so short changed all these programs over the years because we've, we've bought it. Like, again, when you have a, when you have a, a, a system that's, that's just like pays a certain group of people so much money and then short changes everything else but yet everything else falls on that short changed part, you eventually it all collapses. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing that in, in, you know, in droves now to, as we watch the collapse and every, you know, we wouldn't have the addiction problems that we have. We wouldn't have the suicide rates we have if, if we had a better way of, of handling people. And I don't necessarily know if none of any of us necessarily have all the right answers, but at least we're having the conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's more important to have, to be open to the conversation because now the five of us are going to go out and have five other conversations with five other people, mm -hmm. if not more that can at least help spread the message. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's also been a lot of positive <laughs> mental health around tele telemedicine. So if you look at therapy online, it can actually become relatively inexpensive. And if we can say then from the governmental perspective, say, hey, if we're spending $800 billion a year on defense, 
maybe we could earmark some of that for a foundational platform for mental health at scale for Americans. And obviously in Britain, the same thing. But the idea then being that, hey, when you have children drawing pictures that show suicidal ideation at age 12, that young man or young lady needs to help. And so currently we don't have the wherewithal within public schools to say, hey, we need to put Susie or Johnny into a program because they're mentally ill. They're talking about harming themselves at 12. What are we doing about that? And and that's where I think the use of proceeds specific to government, because I'm not a, even as a liberal, I understand that we don't do a lot. We don't do the best we can with our governmental monies. And so if we could just say, hey, as a group, and I think that that's where the collective swell needs to come from the bottom and say to our elected officials, hey, guys, even if we only want to look at this as a capitalistic structure, it's actually in our benefit as a group to have a population that is better off mentally than we are today. So if we just want to look at it as a pure economic metric, we need healthy citizens. And that's to your point. I actually would argue previous to you that physical health is key because if you don't have physicality, you can't work. You can't do, but you're right. If your mental health is off, so is your physical, right? Everything collapses based on if you're truly depressed. And I've seen this with my brothers, fetal position in bed for two weeks at a time. You can't get them out of bed. That's mental health. That's not a disease physically. That's not MS or that's not, you know, some tumor that's malfunctioning their physicality. It's not a physiology only piece. It's mental health. And so if we can say, just as, you know, even if we just want to look through the lens of economics, we need to bring more money in our funding to mental health, period. Mm. However we do that, obviously that's above my pay grade, but it's got to happen. <laughs> Yeah. It's got to be allocated properly too, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and in the example with Jay, right? If you could say to someone like Jay who has this experience on the ground and as a recovering addict, right. I would I would listen to Jay. Right, like, like he needs to be in the there. process, right. Well, that's, yeah, that's he's been there. He's bought the t-shirt. Fuck, he's got it, right? Like I want right. to listen to that dude. And so can we fund that for people like Jay and say, hey, because that's the person, if you go up to you know a house that is, if they're on drugs and Jay comes in and says, Hey man, I'm a recovering addict. And by the way, I can see all the pickies on your face. You're into meth. That person's gonna be like, Oh shit, this guy gets it. So come on in, let's talk. And then maybe there's the beginning of healing. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Healing starts at conversations, doesn't it? Mm. Well, and being recognized and loved and cared for. Yeah. So I'm very conscious of the time we're at an hour. Um, and, um, I'd love it if we could do a quick go around and uh, if you could like suggest one thing that you think, I know probably one is <laughs> not enough, but one thing that you think would have a massive impact and then also tell us what you've got going on if people want to kind of see what you've got going on as well. And if we can try and like be quick <laughs> so I can go to sleep, but you can also get on with yeah. your day. <laughs> so let's go backwards. Will, let's go reverse. Uh, the one thing that I think that we could do is offer more peer support and I'm, I'm all for it. And I think conversations like this and thank you, Hannah, for in, inviting us. Um, uh, you can find me at, uh, above ground podcast with Tim. That's our podcast. And you can find me at willfully.net. That's where all my music is. So hopefully you'll check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Tim. Um, if I, I would say, um, 
I, I think we need to restructure the education system and um, totally kind of base it around mental health, you know, age appropriate, grade appropriate. And, um, you know, again, meditation rooms, um, any, you know, therapy dogs or whatever animals, some kind of space where people can go and talk like a, almost like a counseling room, you know, um, and have that kind of setting as, because I, I think that again, is like more of a, a preemptive thing that we could do. Um, and then, yeah, just above ground podcast, check it out. Um, check out Hannah, check out Joey, Jay, check out their podcast and, um, just, you know, do your thing and, and be kind. Awesome. Joey. Yeah. To be purposely redundant, I do believe that there needs to be billions and billions of dollars funded by our governments collectively around the world to build mental health access at scale for whatever reason. It could be moral. It could be economic. It needs to happen for whatever reason you want to plug or whatever box you want to check. I personally, my mission is the reason I wrote my memoir is to share my stories. Exactly the same reason Jay goes and shares his stories with people is because then you have credibility. You've suffered through it. You've been through it. You understand the podcast for the same reason. I want to have conversations with people like yourselves about mental health. I bring some levity to it on purpose because I do think that laughing at ourselves is the first piece to taking yourself less seriously. You know, I always make the joke. It's hard to take yourself seriously when your name's Joey, right? You just can't. It's not a serious name. You know, it's, 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 it's the nickname of a baby kangaroo, like get over yourself. Right. And so I think that that's it for me is, is mental health at scale. Awesome. Jay. Yeah. I, I make sure to say this whenever I speak, whenever I'm interviewed, and that is as a person who survived two suicide attempts and an overdose, reach out to somebody, you know, if you wait until someone reaches out to you, you're gonna, you're gonna be waiting a while. Uh, I can tell you again, from someone who was there that if you truly feel like there's nobody in your life, you know, that'll listen to you, you're wrong. Uh, but if you truly feel that way, reach out to me, I I'd say that every time, because those of us who do this have a saying, and that is we'd rather spend two hours listening to you today, than two hours at your funeral tomorrow. Uh, you can find me at my website, jshiftman.com or the Choose Your Struggle podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, awesome. And um, I love the the wrapping with the the t-shirt and the, the hat. Um, and I know, Jay, um, when you were on, we talked a lot about language as well and the stigma around that. And so that's definitely a really good conversation to look at and something that I know is really important to you uh, because yeah. I think that adds to the stigma, doesn't it? It's having those conversations and I think having them in the right way so that we're not actually... Right. You know, you know contributing to that um i don't know what my, my one thing is i've asked you for one thing i, I don't was know gonna that, ask you i don't know that i've got one thing actually i guess my thing that i'm really passionate about at the moment and we're just quietly launching and like next week officially launching our social enterprise about the early intervention and kind of creating that space and that community of saying and, and actually i think the big thing is about being really authentic and going do you know what there's this myth that people have got it figured out and they haven't we're just figuring it out. Come and we'll all try and figure it out together <laughs> because, you know, we have systems, uh, whether it's education or the health service or whatever that kind of go, yeah, like this is, this is it. This is the way it works. And actually I don't agree with that. So I think early intervention and that community and support, that's kind of where my heart is at at the moment and we'll see how that goes. So, yeah. 
Awesome. Thank you all so, so much um, for joining me. And we talked about men's mental health and also lots of other stuff and got a bit political at times. But I think actually it's something that uh, is one of my bugbears that things like healthcare, education get really politicized, don't they? Where actually they're so, so vitally important. Um, but yeah, thank you all. And I will share this on Facebook. Sorry to everyone, it wasn't live, technical issues. Um, and also uh, all of your links so people can check out your podcast. And I would absolutely recommend that people check those out and kind of connect with you all. And check out Will's song tomorrow because Will kindly sent it to me. And it's awesome. I listened to it on like replay straight away because it's so powerful. Um, so yeah, thank you all so, so much. Thanks for having us, Hannah. Yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah. It was great to, thank you. It was great to meet you all. So I want to say a massive thank you again to all of our guests. And because we're short on time, I just wanted to go over who they are, where you can find them again. And I would absolutely recommend checking out their podcasts um, and what they've got going on. Uh, So firstly, we had Jay Schiffman. So Jay is a mental health advocate, substance misuse. um, Yeah, I don't know if advocate is the right phrase, term, uh, but awesome. Jay is awesome, joined us and we had a really... um, amazing conversation particularly around language and stigma around substance use which i would definitely recommend checking out um and so jay's podcast is the choose your struggle podcast so i know he's doing some awesome work online and and in his community uh we were joined by joey dumont and joey's book as he mentioned is the uh, joey somebody the life and times of recovering douchebag and his podcast so, so a new podcast is laugh your cryouts and there'll be an episode where I joined him uh, coming out soon, I think, which I'll share when that's out. Um, and then lastly, Tim and Will uh, have their podcast, The Above Ground Podcast, which again, I have been a guest on, which is it's an awesome show. I recommend checking that out. And also Will Foley Music to check out his music. And hopefully, if the tech on this works, we are going to hear an extract of Will's song at the end, which he has kindly allowed us to share, if it works. Uh, if not, and it just doesn't work i apologize <laughs> i would recommend checking out and it's called memoir despair and mayhem uh, and as i mentioned it is really powerful i've listened to it quite a few times and then just finally i wanted to share if uh, you've been kind of moved by anything that's been talked about if you are however you identify your gender and you are struggling with your mental health you're concerned about someone who is you just want to talk uh, about how you're feeling uh, I'm sure everyone that was on the panel is is open in their DMs if you want to message them directly but uh, I just wanted to share a couple of places that you can go so obviously the Samaritans you can call to to kind of talk through how you're feeling it doesn't just have to be if you're suicidal if you're feeling distressed or low it's an amazing service and their number is 116123 just making sure I've given you the right number <laughs> um, and they are available 24 hours a day to talk to you. There is also Mind and their website I think is a really great resource full of information and support and also they have sections on how to support a loved one um, and all uh, information on all kinds of um, mental illnesses um, as well as well-being generally and I think there is that distinction between how we look after ourselves when we are just not doing great but we don't maybe... Um, have a named mental illness or haven't met the criteria I mean that's a different thing to get into but I just think it's a great place to go for lots of information and for men's mental health more specifically uh, there is calm which is the campaign against living miserably their website is the calmzone.net 
Um, and so they've got information about getting support. They also have a telephone number. Theirs is 5pm until midnight and they have a web chat um, and you can look online as well. So um, a couple of resources for you to check out. Um, and I really hope that you've found this conversation really interesting and thought provoking and I would encourage you to maybe try and have conversation with friends and you know just kind of like we did people talking about um topics and sharing um from their experience and you know I think that is one of the ways that we can start to improve things by being open about our own experience by actually having conversations that sometimes can feel a bit uncomfortable if we have differences of opinions um but hopefully are all moving us forward so yes again huge huge thank you to will tim joey and jay for joining us i will be back on wednesday when we are joined by melody from the study break podcast and melody i was on her show actually i was the first person she interviewed outside of her immediate circle of friends so it was very cool and so she was joining me to talk about youth mental health uh, on the show so uh, another topic that i think is really important to discuss so please join me for that and then hopefully fingers crossed to see us out for today we're going to hear a little bit of will's new song so until wednesday as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself And I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.